Welcome to Pavant Guard. This is Andrea Gazetta. I'm Katrina Davis. And I am Jordan Lee Williams. And today we have a loose news episode because we have recorded <laughs> apeshit episodes twice and they have both corrupted. So today we're just we are gonna... doing this is the cursed replacer episode. Absolutely. Yeah, welcome uh, to Podvantgarde, the only art history episode that drunkenly fist fights and is cursed. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh this is art news. Yeah, we're gonna do some just fun, weird art news. Uh some of it is pretty cool, some of it is hopefully funny, uh, and we're just gonna have a good time with it. Uh some a few art dates, if you will. I like yeah, it. just it's like a medley. This is like the mixtape of art history podcasts. That's romantic. We made you yeah. a mixtape of fun facts. Yeah. Do you want to start, Jordan, or do you want me to start? How are you feeling? Oh, I think maybe we should just do, because you have three, I have two. So maybe you, me, and we'll end on you. I love it. Okay. So this first article is called How a Group of Midwestern Museum Docents Wound Up at the Center of a Right-Wing Media Firestorm. And this is an article from Artnet News from last October. And here's kind of the basic points. Uh, last month, the Art Institute of Chicago decided to fire all 82 of its active volunteer docents, which are basically the old ladies who give tours and explain art to visitors for free. The reasoning was that because the volunteers are mainly older white women from financially privileged backgrounds, their voices and perspectives were overrepresented. The museum plans to shift to a part-time paid docent model that would allow for a wider variety of people from different socioeconomic backgrounds to apply, which is super dope because like, I don't know, if you have an art history degree, there's not a lot of places for you no, to go. So. That is amazing, but they could have let some of them reapply. They fired all 82 of them. Okay, so here's they the thing. They did let some of them reapply. Okay. Yeah, so I was like, some of them had to have been worth a damn. <laughs> so some of the docents, the, all of the docents are encouraged to reapply, but their thought okay, process was cool. basically like, we're totally we're changing starting the program. Fresh. Got yeah. it. Okay, that I get. That I get. Because right now, docents, like, the amount of training that it requires, like, the, a lot of them have, like, several weeks of training, and they get different uh -huh. training every year to cover, uh -huh. like, what the museum's updates are. Right. Um, and so their thought process is, like, well, we're changing up the whole system, and so we want to stack, you know, we want to see who applies, and we want to have more variety, um, but what basically happened is that the right wing media got really mad about it and they're like, oh, shit. this is reverse racism because they're firing all these privileged white ladies. And this is a direct quote from the Federalist. It says, quote, the left does not see injustice when privileged white people are discriminated against. Oh, my God. It's. <laughs> I mean, so, here's the thing. Okay, and I do feel like this is a theory that comes up a lot, and I will say it. I can't believe that this art podcast is going to be the place that I say this for the first time, <laughs> like, out loud publicly. But, like, it is not so much that these things can't be done the other way in terms of, like, reverse racism, all of these things. It is the impact that it has on the person, I, as a black woman, can hate as many white people as I want. What the fuck is it? It's only going to hurt me for the most part, unless I go full throttle and like, heaven forbid, do something where I'm just going to hurt a bunch of people that look like whatever fits my prejudice. Then in whatever case, you would hope that someone would come to whatever justice. But like me just quote unquote discriminating against white women in my personal life. What the fuck would that even look like? So it's like <laughs> if it's it's the position that you're at in which you um exert your opinion. So if you are in a low place, low in terms of your power, in terms of what you are in charge of, who you are in charge of, how much money you have, what you can do for other people, what you donate to, how we know our capitalist society works and what power gives you, like that is what determines people 
saying how how many people noticing your racism and what the right. impact it has of like a very rich white man that owns a business being racist has a way huger impact than one of his employees being like, man, I hate white people in his lower income community where there's like one white family that they all probably decided is okay or, you know, segregate themselves on their own or whatever that looks like. Like when yeah. you're just sitting in your house hating people, that doesn't do anything. No one gives a shit. The same with right. poor white people. Like your racism only has but so much power. It's like on your street <laughs> or intimidating the one brown family family that you live next to as opposed to the dude who like you think will golf with you and what his racism has the ability to impact so it's not so much that it's like the white privilege it's like yeah that woman got discriminated against and then went home and did not lose anything other than like an activity that she loved which can still be like emotionally debilitating but like she can find other ways to do that she can reapply she can reapply and still be one of probably the more qualified people from jump, there will just be let, they just won't all 80 of them be white. She won't have as many of her friends, which might be a bummer, but like yeah. even the fact that they're letting the idea that on paper, they're going to what shut down or be in limbo or maybe not be a docent <laughs> for a weekend while they do this reapplication process. And then they'll still, whoever gets picked probably be the first ones back to work. Like, well, so I don't know. <sighs> The thing in this, too, is that the reason this is like an uproar is because a lot of these docents are some of the donors to the museum. Like, they're so rich. Which is like mad not nepotism. Yes. In terms <laughs> of like, you point. wouldn't technically be allowed to get paid by something that you give money to. What kind of weird right. cycle is that? <laughs> well, so like, the thing is, is like, I think the issue here is that what the museum is doing is not reverse racism. It is leveling the playing field to make that mm -hmm. position accessible to everyone, regardless of socioeconomic status. Because Which basically is another right now, thing people say is that like when things become even after so long, it looks, it feels it like it feels unfair. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what all they're doing is being like, Oh, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if the, the young kid who graduated with an art history degree could actually be paid for their knowledge because they have a ton of student loan debt and they can't afford to take an unpaid position doing something that they're actually qualified in. Like they're basically saying like, oh, this is work and it should be paid as work. And yes. people are getting mad about it is basically what's happening. I would think as a person with enough money to donate to a museum and love art that much that you would immediately understand. Here's the thing. Right. I don't have enough money. I give uh, to art museums like tops 20 to $50 at a time. And yep. I immediately knew enough artists and have spoken to enough people to know that, oh, immediately, like you said, thought of who having so many different people be able to be in the building at the same time talking about whatever their niche is seeing different people on different floors so like even the idea that you wouldn't have to do the exhibits that you aren't as passionate about anymore because there's someone else that is like every different exhibit can have someone that actually just that variation bringing that level to it on top of being like oh yeah I've been a docent and I agree that this work is enough to earn a wage why would you disagree with any of this? Yeah, some of them are like, this has been a full-time job for me, basically. It's like, yeah, then people should be paid to do it. Right, so well, why would I've you disagree about it. with it? Yeah, I've talked about it on the podcast, yeah. uh, I think. And it's, it is the only job where, like, working in a museum is a very difficult position to get. And docents don't get paid. Right. And so people like me. Coveted who are in unpaid positions are rare. Yeah. <laughs> Very rare. Yeah. You work really hard to get into something for free. No. Yeah. And it's it's impossible for someone, you know, like me who I, in my late 20s, I can't work a full-time job for free. No. I can't pay my rent with a right. docent position because yeah. they are not paid like that is a that is a position that ends up with a lot of retirees because it is a volunteer position even though you do have to be lecturing 
about it's our like history. the high-end version of bagging groceries well yeah and that's how you get an old white lady explaining racism to my black date at a carrie james yeah. marshall exhibition exactly <laughs> yeah. so yeah which is I, so bizarre. i really like this idea and i feel like i would like to think that out of 82 older white women there are at least like a couple of them if not maybe a dozen or so that were like it's fine i'll oh, reapply sure. give me the link whatever <laughs> well but like you said so, even the idea that people are just scouring the internet for stuff like this to be like oh got I one i think that's exactly what's happening is that this has become this sort of like torch to bear for the right wing is like any time People are like, oh, hey, uh, I've noticed that everyone here is white and maybe that's not serving our community in the best way, especially in a city as diverse as Chicago. Maybe we should have a more diverse group of people talking about art to school children that are generally, in you know, Chicago, not going to be all white. Like, yeah. yeah. So they're definitely not the first place to do it. But like they did lose some donors over it because... Mm those donors are docents and they got mad that they got fired basically that's what which is <laughs> which like, is like yeah. some bitch shit to petty pull, honestly i was yeah. about to say to be that old i would say uh from my christian upbringing that you weren't giving from the same place and to begin with if you took yeah. your money away from that reason <laughs> for that reason well so this past june the birmingham museum of art nixed its whole volunteer docent program and started a paid fellowship teaching program um, oh, wow. and so did the mississippi museum of art so like that's and like wonderful. you said andrea again the teaching is like let someone younger yeah take this with them longer in life not like you're like old and dead and done with but like yeah let a younger person that is already like you said again needs to earn money to pay for loving art learn more about art like move out of the like i would not like like you said even if you have so much money that you were doing this for free while giving money on top of that you can visit whenever you want that lady's yeah. just lonely <laughs> like <laughs> yeah just give them a bench goodness gracious the thing is there are so many places that you can volunteer if you are interested in being a part of the arts and volunteering there are a lot of places you can do that like you can go to a youth like group and be like hey i'll help you know i'll be a teacher's aide and hang out while kids make crafts or whatever like you have opportunities that you can do that but I think that there is like an ego to saying well I'm a docent at the Chicago Art Museum Ab you know oh, and, and that is absolutely what is um I don't remember if you said it Jordan or if someone said it like as a quip in a movie or something <laughs> I was watching where they were like um something because I'm not gonna say it as like as wittily or well strung together but it was like something about like donors give money to art museums for the parties once a year like this is their time like they were it was somebody getting ready for like a gala at an art gallery and they were like why do you have all this extravagant stuff and she was like this is the one time a year that these people come to the thing that they get to brag about donating to all year or whatever kind of thing. That sounds like, like a line from the... Batman. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think it might be Batman. I'm honored. <laughs> I am completely honored. This is either uh, Batman or Jordan. I don't know. It's uh... Absolutely. Either Batman or Jordan. That'll be a game that we play eventually. Batman or Jordan. <laughs> um... These spandex are too tight. Batman or Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then some sometimes it's curved ball both jordan and the joker um but like, <laughs> i can't turn oh, my man. neck in this costume batman or jordan <laughs> i'm gonna call keith out on this he's gonna i don't know if he'll be embarrassed but we have a thing in the morning when uh because i make us coffee in the morning and one of us will come out and go good morning batman like bane and then we just spend like 15 minutes of our morning talking to each other calling each other batman but talking like bane good morning batman Aww. yes hello batman 
I love that you have tender Bane talk in the morning. Like <laughs> some couples have pillow talk. Some are like we impersonate Bane and just letting each other know that they're loved and accepted. <laughs> Love oh, can be goodness. as weird as y'all kids need it. Just <laughs> if you get anything from the podcast, I hope it's that. I'm into it. Yeah, if you're wearing matching J. Crew sweaters, I don't want any part of this. I want Bane Batman talk in the morning. That's that's the kind of like love I'm looking for. Yeah. I do Dueling like that Banes. That's beautiful. <laughs> Wait, what's your story, Jordan? Uh, so I'll start with Omega Mart because Keith and I went to Vegas a couple weeks ago to celebrate his birthday and mm. we ended up going to Omega Mart at Area 15. Uh, it's an art project, a permanent art installation. Is by that a like Area called... 51 but dyslexic? Pretty much. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> all like uh, if aliens smoked pot. That's really the vibe of the place. Fucking um, love it, dude. Yeah, it's it's in this weird industrial building um and it's all like it's it's set up like a rave basically like the building yes. and so <laughs> they have a couple permanent Whoa. art installations. It's from Meow Wolf. The yeah. art oh, company. I know exactly what that Denver. is. Denver. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to have... go it was closed. I was so sad. I've been wanting to go. I oh. keep seeing ads for it. Is it was it the hidden room one where you like go through a yes. locker or whatever? Yes. yes. So we went to that and there's actually it's it's cool because um there's a couple different ways to access the backstory cuz the whole thing it's like set in a grocery store. Um, but there's this whole backstory that you can be as involved in or not involved in at all if you choose to, because we didn't really, I'm not huge on the interactive storyline. Okay. I don't want to hunt Is it for a clues. functioning grocery store? Like, can you like just buy milk there? Well, you can buy products. There's a ton of products. They have all these sodas. They have laundry detergents. It's, okay. But it's things like uh, my favorite was a supplement that said all genders. Um, so it was to boost all of your genders, like no. so that you could be every gender at once. I loved it. It was very fun. I am um, imagining just like a a person, like it's the shape of a person cut out and it's powered up like do 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 do, but it's rainbow and you're just becoming a rainbow. That's kind of the vibe of the place, but I love it. But that is that's that's centrium. Cent most and a lot of <laughs> vitamins are rainbow people filling up. <laughs> Not that like makes sense, up. actually. Uh, but I actually I bought a pin of it. But one of the products that they had was um, a tattooed chicken in a can. It sounds so like the my can future is empty, but they've got the labels are very fun. So tattooed chicken in a can. Um, there's is this there's tattooed just, chicken single? Uh, I'll send you a picture, girl, because it doesn't not look like me. <laughs> I like tattoos and I like a little bit of trash. So like, <laughs> let's see what's up. But yeah, it's so every product has some weird, ominous, you know. Uh, oh, there was rose beef. That was another funny one. Um, just, just ridiculous stuff. And so, you go. You can go into because the grocery store is the entrance, and you can either climb through like the freezer mm. section or the meat section or the there's a a tunnel that we found that we went into. This is cool. so. That's you get fucking into the, cool. Yeah, <laughs> you get into the back and it's like it's kind of like Welcome to Night Vale. Like it's got this very Night Vale vibe to everything about this uh the grocery store, the the hidden rooms, the There was one room where we climbed through a hole in the wall and then rock climbed to the second floor, which was oh very my gosh, fun. Nice. Yeah, um but I want to so go so this, bad now. <laughs> yeah, this I, you absolutely should. Awesome. And I actually, I was thinking about seeing if you guys wanted to go because they also have uh, the Klimt exhibit and the Van Gogh. This is the company that does all of those interactive, uh -huh, uh, like the Van Gogh exhibit that's been popping around LA for a while. Yeah. Um, 
but it was so fun. And like I said, there's this whole aspect of it where you can solve a mystery and you you figure out everything that's going on and you you know you find all the files and you check every computer and you can listen to all the audio tapes and stuff but I'm not huge on that especially when there's that many people because every single thing was like a 14 minute thing and then you'd get a line behind you and it was very stressful so (laughs) Um, I my like whole view about interactive things are that I always like to like go really really early in the morning. Yeah. When, okay. Yeah. And yeah. like right when, when it it's opens, empty. when it's really empty, like because I wake up at I woke up at four thirty this morning, and that's just when my body was like, "Hey, let's start the fucking day." That would be great. <laughs> so. I like to like get up early and like I make breakfast and I like I go to the grocery store when it opens and it's just me and three old people. And that is my favorite because you can just kind of chill like there's no stress. That's what I tell my mom all the time is no one in L.A. gets up before like 10. It's amazing. So much (laughs) done in the morning here. It's amazing. Florida's full of old people that also got up at seven. (laughs) So here it's like a ghost town in the morning. It's great. You got to get up to beat the gators to the grocery store. (laughs) Oh, they're not at the, honestly, if anything, they're there when it's early. You got to wait till it's hot and they like slink off somewhere to be cool. Oh, is that your whole story, Jordan? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Oh, don't be sorry. That was, yeah, it was just, I didn't want, I don't want to give away too much of like what the story no, is. I want to go. Yeah. The mystery you're supposed like you to said, solve. I feel like you told us your favorite parts of it and described enough insane parts of it that I'm like, what the fuck did they do to this building? Like, I really want to go. It's How so far cool of a drive is the- Vegas? Uh, is that it's like only eight like hours? five hours, six what? hours. That's totally fucking worth it. It's so close. Keith and I go like twice a year because it's just, it's so close. Like we didn't go at all. Uh, This was the first time we went back since the beginning of COVID, but it's so fucking close. Okay. Heck yeah. Yeah, Like it's our spontaneous, we'll wake up and go, "Hmm, I guess we'll maybe go to Vegas today. (laughs) I think when I'm done with my 6,000 commissions, I would like to do some type of like day trip and leave my house i have not really left my house or had like a real day off minus thanksgiving in a hot minute so yeah no i think we should go to vegas go to meow wolf i would like to go when i am not uh alcohol poisoned back to (laughs) omega mart that would be fun because i got alcohol poisoning because i go fucking hard in vegas Oh, yeah, and that dude. was like the next day that you Omega. That was the next day. Yeah, no, oh, okay. Because uh, I started the afternoon off the day before oh, yeah. with absinthe. You, and you, then... you started the afternoon with absinthe. What? Yes. <laughs> but also, Jordan, that shows how much you love art because you did a rock climbing wall absinthe yes. hungover. Like, yes. no way, I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I feel like I would have seen it and turned around and been like, I'm not. Uh, this is my line. Well, in fairness, the little green fairy will catch you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Damn it, Andrea. No, the only thing I would not do was the three story slide. I Keith tried oh, to get me to go oh, on it. And I, I don't was like, want Fuck that. It. Nope. I would do it. But, it. Oh, but I would scream the entire way down. I will do totally things fair. and just be very loud while I do them. But I will get <laughs> peer pressured into doing something scary. But I will scream. <laughs> I hate. I really don't like heights. And I really don't like theme yes. parks. Because like the combination of terror and a bunch of people around me are like my yes. nightmares. I hate all of it. Uh, I went to Six Flags, but it was also very, not very, but pretty empty until like the afternoon. Then it filled in. But like we went early and it was awesome. Um, And I went on everything except for one ride I said no to. But I am terrified of heights. And I spent the entire day just like being on rides and yelling out loud to everyone like, I regret this. Like, I shouldn't (laughs) have gotten on this. Like, I take it back. And then just swearing in front of children, just like screaming fuck down like a 90 degree angle um but it was fun but it was I had no I didn't have a voice for like a week I screamed so much 
All my family vacations as a child were adults trying to convince me that I should try a thing. Me saying no the whole day, eventually giving in and trying the thing and crying so hard and screaming that sometimes they would have to stop the ride. So oh like, my God, <laughs> this is like just a horrible cycle that my family never respected. <laughs> Oh, I did. I will say the one time and no one pressured me to. It was more like, oh, no one really thought this field trip was going to be a problem. But I shut down a circus when I was in preschool because <laughs> I do not like clowns or masks where you cannot see people's faces. Me either. <laughs> Get away, you demons. I watched it in, in kindergarten. That's part of it. I don't remember, but they had to like stop the show and have a clown like come talk to me. And I think I like kind of calmed down, but was like, also, don't touch me. <laughs> Trina had pepper spray in her purse. She pepper sprayed a clown at the circus. In my teeny tiny purse, I had yeah. like a penny, like a chapstick <laughs> with no cap, and a pepper spray for this clown. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I apparent that's like my other thing: heights and clowns. No thanks. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Speaking of uh, so weird funny. things that look like people but aren't people, um, this is an art news article. Uh, from last month as well. And it says Egyptian officials detain artist robot Ada on suspicion of espionage. <sighs> so basically Wait, they arrested a robot. <laughs> they wouldn't let her cross the Egyptian border. So she was detained at the Egyptian border. So this is an artist robot. It's called Ada. It's AI dash DA, which is basically, mm. I feel like uh, a play on Dada but with artificial intelligence. Um, okay. Well, yeah. But also Ada is a real name. Like if but you it's say like, it like Ada? It's, I think you say it like Ada, but it's AI dash DA, as in like yeah. artificial intelligence dash DA. Oh, I got you. So I think that's like the joke. Um, uh -huh. So she was detained at the Egyptian border for 10 days after officials became concerned because she had a modem and she also had cameras, which were her eyes, and the mm -hmm. Egyptian officials were concerned that she would be used for espionage um, because <laughs> oh, she can <could> basically... <laughs> That she could be used as a spy bot. Yeah, she's a spy bot is what they thought. Because also when you say crossing the border, you mean like in a box like shipped as a part of an art exhibit or she was like walking across like traveling alone. <laughs> because she I'm had a small out. dog in her purse and they're like, like oh my God, that's not a person. Uh, no, she was like in a box like traveling and okay. stuff. Um, okay. So. Ada was basically, she's a robot that was created in 2019 by dealer Aiden Meller. And she is uses a specifically designed hand and algorithm that were developed by researchers at Oxford and Leeds University. Uh, and this is, this is what it says. Ada uses information captured by her eyes and repurposes it into art. And I'm like, yeah, that's what fucking every artist does. I <laughs> Like, and what eyes do naturally that's what eyes do like you basically they're like we made a machine that's an artist we made eyes but wait also she's named do you guys know do y'all know who ada loveless is yes no. okay that's I love who she's named after who is that jordan oh so ada lovelace is the daughter of lord byron and she is actually the very first person to ever write a functioning computer code. Uh, and this Aww. was in the 1700s before computers were even a thing. So when computers right. were finally yeah. invented, the people who, who created that, they ran her computer program that she had written and it worked <laughs> in a machine. That's fucking that cool. Had not existed. Yeah, the I love published published the first algorithm intended to be carried out by an analytical machine yes that's amazing i didn't know any of that yeah that's so she, cool though so yeah she is nice. one of the uh you know first i mean not first women in stem but she they they i think she was named the patron saint of computer programmers Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So she's I guess not, it was before there was a stem. She's the root. 
Yes. Hell yeah, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> that was a good pun, well, so- Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> uh, so the Ada, like in this story, the whole reason that she was being shipped to Egypt in the first place is she was intended to be the main highlight of this year's Forever Is Now exhibition, which is organized mm. by the Art de Egypt. Uh, and it's set to take place at the foot of the pyramids of Giza, if you want to know what rich people are up to. Ooh, beautiful. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I mean, it's here's the thing. It sounds really awesome. The art she does is cool. Like it I mean, it looks very like vapor wavy, very futuristic-ish, like something that someone in the 80s would think that art in 2080 would look like. So it's mm. very like you know photoshop like she's she takes she does a lot of like self portraits but then like the saturation is turned up there's like weird glitches and stuff Uh, like that uh but i guess the british ambassador had to pull some strings to get her out of detainment and she was released just a few hours prior to the show premiere and arrived barely in time so just like a real artist this is so weird so uh in the exhibition do you watch her paint yeah so that she it's like sort of a performance art exhibition oh this is freaky yeah it's kind of weird but i mean it's weird to me because it's like on the one hand i recognize how cool this is and i'm like oh this Mm -hmm. is really awesome you know it is very futuristic and in a lot of ways it's a commentary on like what is an artist in some ways um but then it's also really insulting to have your job taken by art by robots so (laughs) a little join the club andrea (laughs) i feel it just says middle america or whatever the fuck right It's like you, you, you can and build your cars. artsy fartsy friends thought that you were safe. I'm joking. <laughs> I think what's interesting about her is that she creates a product, but I don't think that the product is what is interesting about her. I think it's all about the process is what makes it right. art and what makes it interesting. Well, that's what I was going to say in terms of you talking about the artist. It's like, yeah, who built her? Yeah, it's just, well, so basically it's a guy- artist? This guy doesn't consider himself to be an artist like he considers Mm -hmm. himself to be a dealer. And it sounds like like I would Mm. posit that Aiden Meller is the artist of Ada. Right. Right. But he's really just a rich guy who had a cool idea and got researchers. You know, he's not someone that could actually produce that. Right. He invented it and then made it through money at it. Engineered arts. Yeah. A Cornish robotics company, which sounds dis- sounds delicious because I only know Cornish from hens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining a robot, but with those little like things on the feet when you cook a chicken. Oh my gosh, the little oh like because I was thinking of like little drumstick arms. Yeah. I mean, I looked at photos of her and her arms are fucking terrifying. Yeah. Because her body has like a skin suit, basically. Like her face has like a skin suit and so does her body. But then her arms are fully metal. And then she's straight up like how when Terminator gets his skin knocked off, like (laughs) (laughs) well, it's also terrifying because in some of the photos she has hands. She's got fingers and, you know, you can see the the bones. But they are also robotic, right? They are, but in others, it's like they taped pencils to her nubs. Like they took her hands oh. away, and I hate that. It's really I would much rather back. if they let her keep her hands. Let Ada keep her hands. Yeah, it's pretty scary. I wasn't a fan. It is scary. <laughs> no, it does. No, here's the thing, Andrea. I feel like if they took me to this exhibit when I was little, I would cry, and they would have to like shut it down and explain a robot to me because I would not like this woman's face. She looks like a clown. It's scary. Um, what's your next one, Jordan? Oh, uh, so I have Take the Money and Run, which is a, a recent piece by an artist, uh, Jens Hanin. Um, oh. <laughs> it's, yeah, I love this. And I got some messages about it because people were like, what the fuck does it mean? Um <laughs> And so basically this artist, uh, he had done another exhibit where he took 
uh, money and, you know, stapled it, glued it to a canvas. And that mm. was the piece. So then a museum, it was uh, the the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art in Denmark uh, asked him, you know, please make us, we want this piece in our museum as well. Here's $84,000. So he took the money and then sent them two blank canvases and titled it, Take the Money and Run. <gasps> Honestly, brilliant. I love it so Honestly, much. hilarious. <laughs> it is absolutely oh, like it is taking conceptual art to the absolute <laughs> distillation of what conceptual hilarious. art can be. I hope that he <laughs> wrote. That... I hope that he dropped the canvases off and then rode away on a skateboard with a backwards hat and did a kickflip. Like that is <laughs> like no it's way. some Bart Simpson ass shit. No, I hope that he. <laughs> well, okay, I hope that he like rode a skateboard down the rail of like a giant set of stairs, but like into a Dukes of Hazard like drop top. <laughs> <laughs> But that, wait, does that count as conceptual? Because he did that shit. <laughs> like, no, that's absolutely, he, I like, mean, like, that's the whole point. <laughs> so that's the whole point of conceptual oh, art God, is so... that the idea behind it is more important than the finished piece. Um, uh, and like, it's, it's a I lot was about saying it in terms of like, that's literal art because he took the money and ran. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I just I love it. The museum is furious. They are so. Uh, where is the museum? In Denmark. Oh my gosh! I'm sure they are. Yeah, but I Here's think the that, thing. that is... this museum just doesn't really understand art. So if maybe they, they were need to just a little smarter, they could get it. Gaslight well. them out of their own money. No, but I I absolutely adore this kind of stick it to the man uh, within the system, you know, because galleries and there's a there's another artist who did uh, a few pieces when he got screwed over by a gallery. And so he sent them uh, this gallery is taking 80 percent of my my cut like and that was the painting. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Fuck yeah. I like that. If but, a gallery is taking 80%, they're a piece of shit. Personally, I think 50% is too much. I agree. Um, so generally, as someone who is showing with galleries and who right now is not really showing with galleries because of this, a lot of galleries do take 50%. And especially if you're paying your own shipping. So like I pay to ship the work there myself. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I pay yeah. for all my materials. So for the gallery to take 50%, they're actually taking more than 50%. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it can be really frustrating. I feel like a 30-70 split is about what it should be. Maybe 60-40. But I feel like when you go 50-50, it's just kind of shitty. Come at me, galleries. I, I don't I know. Agree. <laughs> But yeah, the, the concept behind this piece is just very exciting to me. It kind of, it reminds me of Chair, which is one of my favorite pieces. Um, and that piece is, what is the true definition of a chair? So is it the actual dictionary definition? Um, is it the physical representation of a chair? Or is it this painting that I did of a chair? So... Mm. I, I feel like it's a similar kind of concept where the they asked for pieces of art and they paid them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like... I personally don't love conceptual art. Like, I think this is hilarious as a joke, but like... This is not the stuff that I get excited about artistically, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, obviously, this isn't a piece that I would want to own, but I do think it's an amazing commentary on the relationship between museum and artist and what that looks like. And also, it's a great commentary about artists being paid for their work. So in that respect, I think it's really funny. Yeah, I mean, conceptual art, you kind of have to... 
slog through the the last hundred years to get to the point where conceptual art <laughs> makes sense because it is it is uh it's just so heady so often right mm-hmm. and there's so much of it it feels like people are constantly like but what does it mean <laughs> yeah I mean that is pretty much all conceptual art and I think that is what I feel like conceptual art can get to this place for me personally where it's very emperor's new clothes-esque where sometimes I think people give conceptual art more respect than it actually deserves I don't know I think that that part of conceptual art is a lot of people not getting it so that you can kind of snicker behind everybody's backs like I feel like that's yeah or, conceptual I don't know. art is conceptual feels like art the like, mean girls I was I was about to say is it like the hipster deep cut deep cuts of like you just don't get it of art um kind of yeah that I mean when I was in art get, school yeah. <laughs> when I was in art school people would do things and I got like I would do things like when I I did a whole project in art school. They're like, you have to make a map of something. And I was like, I don't really care about maps because all of my mm-hmm. work is about relationships between people. And it's sort of like about my inner world. And so mm-hmm. as a bit, like I thought it would be funny. Uh, my boyfriend, my then boyfriend at the time, and I both covered our bodies in paint. So I covered my body in pink and he covered his body in blue and we fucked on a blanket. And then I embroidered it so that it looked like a map so that I embroidered oh, wow. all of like where the two colors met as almost Whoa, borders. Andrea. <laughs> but then it's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this now? No one's going to buy my fuck map. Like <laughs> <laughs> why not? But- <laughs> they might. I threw it away. You could it was you bizarre. could commission you could commission people to fuck on blankets and then embroider it and have people make their own individual fuck maps. People, you think swingers wouldn't hang like a fuck map in their foyer? So people would be like, "What is that, a Rorschach?" And like, party would be like, "Actually, that's us fucking on a blanket in two different colors." And an artist did an embroidery rendition of it. That's like, and also the embroidery is like something very like sweet and homely of something like very you know taboo. what i mean yeah yeah I'm it, I, but it's like, also i do have to disagree with the <laughs> idea <laughs> no it. i i do i have to disagree with the idea that conceptual art is just some kind of like an nose up in the air mean girls thing because it's really not oh, okay. it's the context behind it is that the the work, the process, the ways in which you are approaching it are more important than the finished piece. So it's not uh. that the finished piece is supposed to be this perfect representation. It's that, okay, this is my thought process behind it. This is the work that I've done to get to it. This is the reasons are more important than the look. Um, And you can argue that earth art is also conceptual art because it is a concept that cannot be owned and is going to, is not permanent and is going to be reclaimed by the area around it. So Mm, by time and whatever else. I'm sorry. Oh, because also I didn't mean uh, I said by time and everything else, just like yeah, the no, absolutely progression of things. Um, oh, because I was going to say I didn't mean so much mean girl as like the hipster part of like an inside baseball. Not everybody will get this because we were talking about conceptual art and not a lot of people getting it. But I feel like that's part of it is not a lot of people getting it sometimes. Or I maybe think not. I think for me, I mean, I don't. I don't think that I disagree with Jordan. I think that I feel like conceptual art can be at its best that like conceptual art can be Mm. beautiful and accessible and about this moment. But I do think that conceptual art at its worst can be 
just this thing that people are like, oh, what? You don't get it? Oh, which like you're saying, I do think that that is like even in movies and stuff, the parody of it when people go to an art gallery and there's yes. just like some single thing that would people think like, what is this? And yeah, yeah, I totally understand that kind of un like, yeah, yeah, I get that. Well, I mean, I think, too, like, conceptual art can also be this thing. Like, there was a dude who just jizzed on paper, and then he called it 15 Masturbations, and that was his senior thesis. And, like, as someone like myself who is very interested in, like, craftsmanship and interested in the technical aspects of fine art, something like that, to me, is really upsetting. And, like, it mm. feels like... You know, it feels like you are not being respectful of art, but then also art can be anything. So I guess you can do that if you want. But I think that when people say like, oh, this isn't art to me, you also don't have you also don't get to be offended. You know, if someone's like, well, your masturbation thing isn't art to me, you can argue that it is. But I think that it becomes stupid when you're like oh you're just like not smart enough to get it you know no I completely agree the idea that it is so because that's the the thing is if you are making something that is so inaccessible but then trying to belittle someone for not liking it but that's yes. not the point of conceptual art that's that is the Jackson Pollock of conceptual art yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I feel that snottiness can be a byproduct of conceptual art in a way that I don't like. Oh, yeah. I get but. that. <laughs> okay, guys, you want to hear this last thing about uh, yeah. a mosaic and then we'll get out of here? Yes. All right. Yeah. So the the title of this article, this is from an artnet.com article and it's called a, a New York Woman Used This Mosaic from Caligula's party boat as a coffee table for years oh my god now it has been returned to italy so in 2013 italian architect dario del bufalo was signing copies of his book porphyry about the red stone popular with roman emperors when he heard a young man comment to a woman he was with what a beautiful book oh look helen that's your mosaic Del Buffalo <laughs> caught up with the pair and learned that the mosaic was being used as a coffee table at a woman's apartment on Fifth Avenue. What? The, <laughs> the mosaic is a priceless artifact that Caligula commissioned for the dance floor of his party ship almost 2,000 years ago. What? He was such a hated emperor that after he was assassinated, the ship that the mosaic resided on was sunk, which meant that they hated this dude more than they loved free boats. <laughs> <laughs> That's like ex-wife level of hatred where you'll just destroy property <laughs> that could be perfectly good because you just don't even care. Exactly. You're just like, fuck this guy. Never again. Yeah. Sink all his boats. I don't give a shit. Yes. <laughs> in the 1930s Mussolini dredged the lake and found the remains of the boats which were put into a museum which was subsequently burned at the end of World War II and it's thought that the mosaics were stolen before the museum was burned and bought in good faith by this antiquities dealer Helen Fiorati in the 60s so this is what's Amazing. funny to me this woman so now they are in the table as tiles so no she just basically like put legs on it and then just used it as her coffee table oh what so it's just this like really nice square mosaic so but okay what is funny to me though is this lady is like it was an innocent purchase miss fiorati told the new york times 2017 it was our favorite thing and we had it for 45 years but she's basically yeah. claiming she had no clue about their history, even though she was an antiquities dealer. So it's kind yeah. of like, I don't oh, know. I mean, you pr story. she probably didn't know it was Caligula's, but you probably knew that it was important. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. It seems shady. Um, so this dude. It is gorgeous, though. It's very pretty. We'll post pictures of it. It's like this red and green like, mosaic. I do feel like even if like at the time when he died as 
a emperor. I would be like, you guys, I know we hate him, but like this table, like, can we talk about it? Like, <laughs> we really need to like totally get rid of it. I mean, come on. That seems a little hasty. This will look really nice in my apartment. So actually, and if we could just move it there before we sink the ship, also, that would be great. There's just generations and generations of very selfish, petty people that she passed it down from who are like, there's no way I'm letting this go. This is mine. Well, so she had it for 45 years and she because mm -hmm. it wasn't a museum until World War Two when it was pillaged. Um, so that does that timeline not let add up? Hold on. Well, because it's two thousand years old, and it was right. it was dredged up in the thirties, and she acquired it in the sixties. So that's what I'm saying. She could be one generation removed from whoever snagged that. No, she bought it. Oh, she bought it from whoever snagged it. Right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Because it was probably I was stolen. She could at just like be. I was saying she could just be super shysty and she didn't ever buy it. And it's just like passed down from whoever was like, I'm keeping this. I mean, technically. So she says that she bought it from like an Italian family that came to America. Oh, so they like brought okay. it with them. So it's probably, oh, wow. I mean, it could have That's been amazing. like just taken and put in an Italian family. And then they came to America and they're like, Oh, we don't really need this anymore or whatever. Um, but yeah, it is weird. No, I feel like if you knew it was expensive and you like hid it in plain sight like they do in like the end of a spy movie and you were like, oh, it was the table all along. <laughs> <laughs> I I do feel like she to use it as a coffee table, like she probably knew like it was cool, but she probably didn't yes. realize its full value if you're using it as a coffee table. So that is the thing that makes me think like she probably didn't really know. Um, that's fair because you would not you'd be like the ultimate use a coaster exactly <laughs> exactly but this guy Del Buffalo notified authorities and prosecutors seized the table based on evidence that it had been stolen so he's a total narc um, <laughs> so the, the mosaic was returned to Italy where it is now on display at the Museum of Roman Ships and Nemi and in an interview with 60 Minutes, Del Buffalo said that he would make a replacement table for the lady, adding, quote, she would never know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but also, who says she deserves a replacement table? I think he just feels sad because she's rich and he feels bad for her because she really liked this table. Oh, my gosh. It's but really funny, well, though. Okay. <laughs> like she's an antique dealer you think she can't find another table that she'll like <laughs> i mean I, know. Thing, I guess i'm i've never heard of someone getting something seized and having anyone feel bad for them that they don't have it anymore that's what happens when you're rich and an old white lady is people are just like oh i yeah. feel so bad for her she has less wealth stuff now she paid money for that <laughs> less wealth stuff this story really highlights the problems with uh, private collections, though. Like, mm. Oh, man. Truly, because this is she bought something that was stolen. And it's I mean, it that's hot. kind of the it's the story <laughs> of fucking art everywhere. There's a there's a an art dealer who is trying to get pieces and art objects returned to Cambodia because during mm. the Khmer Rouge their country was decimated and yeah during a genocide people were coming in and stealing artifacts and relics and selling them mm. so I mean that's kind of the it's just this it, it all ties back <laughs> it all ties back you guys I'm just saying, if you buy something stolen at a pawn shop, they are not as nice about it. <laughs> That's fact. That's true. There's a they really great come get that shit. <laughs> There's a really great podcast called Stuff the British Stole, and it's basically this story over and over again. Yeah. Is it's yeah. just like priceless indigenous artifacts, priceless Greek artifacts, priceless whatever artifacts, and the British are just like, ah, that could be ours, though. And then the British Museum is like, ah, oh, it's ours forever now. And everyone's like, no, it's not. You can't just take shit. But they're like, but according to our laws, it's legal. Like, that's yeah, basically the story of Britain. Pretty much, yeah. So 
yeah, yeah that's I feel all... like they definitely try to just grandfather stuff in like where it's like but we've been it's been stolen for so long now I, that is usually the argument though <laughs> like that's the fucked yeah. up thing yeah. is that is usually the argument they use well and a lot oh of the gosh. argument too is very racist because especially in britain they're like well if we hadn't put it in a museum they wouldn't have taken care of it yes wow. and i talked about that it's on very white savory are missing episodes because the gates of Ishtar <laughs> are at the Louvre and it's fucking ridiculous and I hate it and they should be going back to the countries that they were made in. The Sphinx Absolutely. should be back in the country it was made in. Yeah, keep history mm. where it was made, man. See, that's perfect. We still got something in from one of the cursed episodes. <laughs> Unless this becomes cursed. Oh, no. I mean, God, this episode itself has been cursed. Oh, yeah, it totally has. It's fine. We have backup we hope audio. The backup works. But hey, guys, uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. We appreciate you. Uh, we hope you got your art news void filled a little bit. And we'll be back next week with more regular episodes. Uh, this is just sort of a fun little emergency because all of our files are corrupted. What's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you all so much. Thank you, um, Andrea and Jordan, for your art news updates. I very much like this, though, also. like very fun. Even if this is... Something that ends up happening for Patreons or something because it was like you guys had amazingly interesting stories that I would not have heard of otherwise. So thank you both so much for that. Um, I am creeped out by a new kind of robot now. It's like <laughs> those. It's like it's like the mankind, the four legged dog kind. And then eight is at like third now. Um <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Pavant Guard. Um, if you like our podcast and want to follow us and make sure that you don't miss another episode, follow us um, on Instagram and Twitter at P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E. Um, and we also will have a pay link to our Patreon information in the Con the description of this episode and if you like me katrina as an individual you can follow me at katrina savad s-i-v-a-d which is just davis backwards um on instagram and twitter and my website and it's all the same <laughs> hell yeah uh, if you guys want to support our show, tell your friends about it. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, we're still a new podcast and we're trying to get the word out. So share about it on social media, make memes. We have a Facebook group now. If you want to come talk about the show, that's just Podvant Guard on Facebook. And we also have a Patreon and we're planning to do more episodes like this in the Patreon that are a little bit more loose fit but still cover fun art history news. Uh, so check that out at patreon.com slash And if you like me and you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta. I also have a website, andreagazetta.com. I sell prints and cool stuff if you're looking for holiday gifts. I also have my own Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Andrea Gazetta. And I have, um, a, it's basically like a sticker club. You can also get behind the scenes of my artwork. And I, uh, if you join the higher tier, you can get the painting that I make every month. And for the month of December, I'll be making two paintings, which means two sketches, two paintings to um, different people in the top tier group. So check that out. That's so fun. I love that. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a moose, and then it's like a moose with the antlers or flowers, and there's an oh. aurora borealis behind it, and then there's an orca doing basically like a jump in the sky, like it's a sunset, and there's a rainbow, so I'm really excited. They're like probably two of my favorites that I made. <laughs> um, Yay. I'm so happy. Uh so fun. <laughs> I am Jordan Lee Williams. And I am still only on Instagram right now. Um, I will be making a Facebook to join y'all in the Facebook. Uh, yes. And I am considering making a Twitter because I have loved whoever sent that thing about making a Mark Rothko blanket. I love you. Uh, I have Ooh. been working on those for a while. Did you boo? 
No, I said, ooh. Oh. Also, <laughs> I just heckle you at the end. I waited now. This is when I start heckling you on the podcast, Jordan. Boo. What? This is when That's Katrina so becomes funny. mean. That's so funny. Oh, man. For a second, I said, ooh, because that is, that is a good idea, and I forgot about it. So that was me. That was an organic re-remembering that you were hearing. <laughs> That's what my brain does all the time. So funny. Is I get excited about stuff that I used to know and then forgot about. And I'm like, oh my God, I did know that. That is awesome. I love though that like we've been on this podcast and Katrina is just constantly excited and supportive. And Jordan still is first reaction is like, oh my God, is she mad at me? <laughs> did she oh, boo absolutely. a blanket? Oh no. <laughs> no, I would never boo you, Jordan. That's so funny. I will boo things that happen to you but never you as a person <laughs> never never i will boo i will boo you getting attacked by a pina colada but never you as a person <laughs> oh man i got attacked by a tomato on thanksgiving um so i'm what gonna just breeze fuck? by that, we'll save one. that for patreon we'll save that for patreon Jordan has going. so many food related attacks I know. I know. I didn't brutal. mean to interrupt you with my um <laughs> my brain slash heckling uh, but I am on Instagram. I am the Goonie Bird. If you want to see photos of my dumb face and sometimes Keith, I am uh, my art account on Instagram is Goonie Bird Crafts. And my Etsy store is also Goonie Bird Crafts. And it will have I will have a link to my Etsy store on both of my accounts. Hell yeah, Yay. dude. Well, uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Katrina, did you do your oh, yeah. plugs already? Yeah. Um, I did all of mine. Normally, I think I just forgot because nor um the past couple ones, you've had Patreon stuff, but you got all your stuff in. So thank oh, you yeah. all so much for listening to our first fun art update episode. Uh, and we love you. We love you so <laughs> much. We love <laughs> Bye. you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys <laughs>